Good morning, I'm Wimala. Today is March 22nd. And here we have, here in Crystal Lake, we have a rainy, it's a dark, it's a kind of a dark rainy morning. And uh, the earth needs this, this moisture, so no complaints. The sunshine is beautiful, but knowing that we're uh, letting this water soak into the ground is, is a blessing in itself. So I hope you're doing well and dealing with day-to-day -day issues in your world and finding peace in a practice, a spiritual practice, either praying, uh, some kind of meditation that might ground you, even if it's uh, just a few minutes a day, or every time you think about it, if you can stop what you're doing and just be with your breath for a minute or two to just help you come back to yourself, come back to your that basic nature, the basic goodness that we all have. And that breathing can also help relieve anxiety and tension and stress and fear. So remember that that's always available to you. Sometimes we, uh, we, we kind of set our spiritual practice as something, you know, that we do. Whether we're, you know, regardless of our spiritual journey, we don't want to segment it to just a certain time of the week or one specific day or uh, something that's just kind of there for us when we really need it. Because what we, what we find out is if we don't make it a part of our daily, everyday life, when we need it, if we think, you know, oh, I need it now, something terrible is happening, we don't feel its presence because we haven't been practicing it as a way to live. So whatever your spiritual journey is, it needs to be more than an occasional uh, fun event or cheerful, uh, make me feel better talk. It's, it's how we live our lives from moment to moment and how we are in the world. It's not, it's not hidden away or it's not just something we do for fun or um, it has to be meaningful to us for it to be there when we, when we feel uh, something is deep and worrisome and there's trouble that we need to face. It's our practice that we've done every day that brings us to that moment ready to face it and ready to deal with it, and know the people we can turn to, the, our true friends, our spiritual friends, who we can turn to when we need them. So I think that's good to remember every single day and not shelf it away uh, with our, at our convenience, because when you find it in all parts of your life, then it's always there for all parts of your life, the good and the bad. So don't let, don't let yourself just be, a, a, you know, in the Christian church, it's, a, it's the Christmas and Easter person. You go for the special services, uh, maybe a few times a year. 
you don't just go because uh, you just don't go to be going somewhere in a ritualistic way. Then it just becomes a meaningless ritual. So think of this as how you live from day to day. And then it's going to be there for you. And you're going to be able to be there for other people when, when, uh, things, get, when things get tough. So now we're starting. I'll read a little bit today. We won't read a huge gap because we don't want to get lost in this. This is the book, Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree, the Buddha's teaching on teachings on voidness. And it's by it's from talks of Buddha Dasa Bhikkhu, the Thai Theravadan monk who's very famous and very um, very well known. And there's it's easy to find. If you just go online and type in Buddha Dasa, you'll probably come up with, although he died in, I think, 93 or 96. I don't know why I have those two dates in my head. Um, but his the center he established in Thailand is active. And he um, all of his writings and talks have been translated into English and are all available free. And the books he's written, you can download if you don't want to buy them. And uh, you can uh, you can buy them on Amazon, of course, but you can also get them from his uh, website. So, part three is practicing with voidness. And voidness is simply, he states it simply as nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I or mine. So this is trying to create that spaciousness or understanding anatta, which is the concept in uh, Pali of no self, and practicing with it, showing us how to use it in our daily lives. I think this is going to be this is going to be um, good, but it may be it may feel dense if you haven't studied it before so I think he may he breaks it down into something very uh, very easy to understand but I'm not going to read long portions and uh, we do want to sit together today it's uh, part three which is practicing with voidness or emptiness or anatta and contemplating dependent origination. Now, don't run screaming from the room. Some, sometimes uh, it takes a long time for dependent origination to make sense. And to, but it's good to know, and this will help understand why. Well, it'll make us understand all of these concepts he's talking about. We have discussed the spiritual disease from which we all suffer, and we have examined the nature of sunyata, which provides our cure. Now we will consider the steps we can take to treat our disease, both in protecting against the disease and in its treatment. Treatment. There must be the principle of allowing no involvement with I and mine, but how is one to go ahead without it? Oh, and thank you. Eva's put up the the uh, way to get 
information, the PDF on this book. So this is, this is when we're going to look at the steps we can take to treat our disease, both in protecting against the disease and in its treatment. There must be the principle of allowing no involvement with I and mine, but how is one to go about it? There are many methods. With physical and mental diseases, one ailment can be treated in a variety of ways. We need not rely on a single fixed method, but whatever the method, the aim, and the result must be the same. Good health. That's the result we're looking for, is good health. Similarly, in treating the spiritual disease, the Buddha taught a great number of practices in order to answer the needs of different people, times, places, and occasions. So we have heard of a great number of practices with many names, and perhaps we have been frightened to hear that he established 84,000 subjects of Dhamma. Now, if there were truly 84,000 topics, we would all feel discouraged. We would die before we learn them all. Nobody can learn them all. We would learn some, forget, and then have to learn them again, only to forget again, or else they would get completely mixed up in our minds. Well, I'm glad he's, he points that out, as that's a typical human reaction. I've certainly had that over and over. Fortunately, there is merely one handful, merely one subject, which the Buddha summarized in the one phrase. Nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I or mine. To hear this subject is to hear all subjects. To practice it is to practice everything. And to receive its fruit is to be cured of all disease. Every one of the many methods for wiping out the disease of I and mine works. Which one you use choose, uh, depends on how you wish to practice. So I'm going to read just one of those today because he lists in, with a short, dis, a short discussion several. So I can leave you with one and uh, you can just think about it. Maybe it can be something when you stop and breathe and come back to yourself today. You can just, oh, I can remember that. Let's, let me think about how it, how it feels to me right now. So the first is dependent co-arising. One way is to constantly contemplate I and mind as illusions, illusions, or hallucinations. Maya is the Pali word. Contemplate I and mind as illusions or hallucinations. This practice will enable you to see that the feeling of self a seemingly solid entity that we are familiar with, as I and mine, is in fact a mere illusion. This insight is achieved by contemplating self in terms of dependent co-origination, and that's paticca samuppada. Paticca samuppada. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard that phrase. The, to explain paticca samuppada, theoretically or technically, takes a long time. 
It could take one or two months to cover just this single issue. This is because, in the field of theory, it's been turned increasingly into a psychological and philosophical subject, so that it has reached a state of excessive complexity. It's just a relief to hear a, a Buddhist teacher talk about this. Excessive complexity. It becomes a thing that scholars play with. Yet, in the field of practice, Paticca Samuppada is, as the Buddha said, just a single handful. When there is contact with a form, sound, odor, flavor, or other sense object at one of the sense doors, that contact is called fasa. That's when any of our senses connect with, you know, the, the, uh, the, the uh, form that comes into them. When there is contact with a form, a sound, an odor, a flavor, or other sense object at one of the sense doors, that contact is called fasa. This, this fasa conditions feeling, and feeling is pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Vedana is feeling. Not emotion, it's feeling, tonal quality. Vedana conditions craving. Tanha is craving, conditions clinging. So tanha, that craving, is when we want something, and that's tanha. And then that conditions clinging, and clinging is now we have it we want to keep we got to keep it clinging is upadana but you can you know you can, craving leads to clinging unless you can stop it there and let go of the craving upadana conditions becoming so craving conditions clinging clinging conditions becoming bhava or bhava, like bhavana. Bhava conditions jati, which is birth. And following from birth, there is old age, sickness, and death, which are all part of dukkha, the suffering. So that that clinging, wanting to keep whatever that sense is, like maybe it's sound, or it's the smell of delicious food, and then you want it, you want to keep that. You want to keep that delicious food. You want to keep that beautiful sound um, and hang on to it. You don't want to lose it. You want it to become permanent. And that con- that conditions that becoming, it, we, we, that's when we have to stay with it. We don't want to give it up. And then that, so that uh, becoming for us is birth, another birth. And following from birth, then old age, sickness, and death. And those are the things that are uh, dukkha, part of samsara. Please see that as soon as consciousness, and that's vijnana, meets with a sense object, there is some contact. And that the subsequent conditioning of vedana feeling, tanha is... uh, I always get tanha and uh, upadana. Tanha is craving, and 
upadana is clinging. So craving comes first. So please see that as soon as consciousness meets with a sense object, there is sense contact, and that the subsequent conditioning of Vedana, Tanha, and so on is called Paticca Samupada, dependent co-origination, is the process by which various things existing in dependence on other things through the influence of ignorance, just basic ignorance, not knowing that that's avijja, that through the influence of ignorance, this conditions the arising of new things, which in turn condition the development of further things, and so on and so on. This process or stream is called paticca samupada. Paticca samupada. It is a dependent co-arising wherein no self is to be found, merely dependence followed by arising. Paticca samupada is this process of dependent co-arising or dependent co-origination, which conditions dukkha. So that's the process that even in in our like human this the ignorance that we have uh those are the things that condition what some of us might call rebirth or it or it can condition us right in that moment to uh you know we're hanging on to stuff we're clinging to things and that's what causes us to want to, to be born again, to get to experience these things all over again. So, now the next part he's going to talk about two methods, but I don't want to even get started on that. But remember about dependent co-arising. And I think uh, Buddha Dasa keeps it very simple, and he makes it very understandable. There's some people who uh, may disagree with his the, the the steps in it for him, but it's basically it's basically uh, taken from the Buddha's teachings. I think it's very important and very. Uh, he taught to to not tomorrow, but Thursday we'll talk about two methods. How the way to benefit is to not allow the codependent or the the dependent co-arising to take place. So that's we'll talk about that because that's when that when when something touches, you know, when our sense of smell smells a delicious, wonderful aroma or beautiful perfume or a beautiful flower, that is what can that's a that's the feeling tone. It's very pleasant. So we're drawn to it. We move towards it. All of this is also about this energy moving different directions, and uh, then we we can start we start clinging to it. So we crave it. It becomes something we we want a certain taste or we want a certain fragrance. We're so drawn to it. We we we're drawn to it. So then we begin to cling to it. We want it to be me. We want it to be mine. I want to have access to this all the time. And that literally is what begins to um, cause us to 
come back over and over again. So we'll talk about that to, that on Thursday. We're just going to keep it not nice and short. So he's. This is going to be a really good way, I think, to understand why this concept is so important to let go of me and mine and who I am. So why don't we sit now? And uh, let me, I have to clear my throat a little bit. It's unclear whether it's cool or uh, warm today for me. So it's spring. So you think it's warm and then it feels cold. And this is when layers are very valuable. So that's also the time when allergies become very apparent, seasonal allergies. So let's just sit with our breath. And if these are, if these concepts are real familiar to you, that's wonderful. And uh, this is sometimes we, like I've studied these before, but to really get that connection so it's so clear that I see it all the time in my life is a totally different thing. And I think that Buddha Dasa is, uh, you know, his focus is to, is to help us understand that and understand then that essential teaching of the Buddha, understand it in a way that we can live it and, uh, and, and then find that, find it in this life. So we can just relax. Don't try to, don't try to, to grab and cling on to a little bit of information. Just let it, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful part of the Buddhist teachings. And now we can just sit with that. We don't have to think about it. But it's, you know, with each breath we can have that light focus on the body breathing. But we can think about as we inhale, we can take in all of the ways without, without having to start getting our thoughts cranked up. We can just take in all the ways that we live in this world. We can exhale and let that go. Let this become an experience with the body and not uh, trying to understand a concept mentally. When we open our sense doors, when we sit, we can sit strictly with our body, being aware of the body, doing a body scan. which we need to do another one soon. We haven't done one in a while. But you can just sit with how the body feels. If the body's comfortable, is it relaxed? Is it tense? Is there pain? Just be with the physical body if you like. Because when we're doing this practice, with mindfulness, 
we are aware of those sense doors. So the senses, we add the mind in the Buddhist teachings. So we have the mind, that's our thinking. We have sight and we close our eyes to give us just a break from so much visual contact. Uh, we can still see some light through our eyelids. There's smell that's connected to the nose and our sense door is whether we're going to take those smells in and let them just really affect us or whether we can, you know, we may, we may not even be paying attention to smells. Some people can't smell. Or when they're sick, a lot of people when they have had COVID, they can't smell. But typically, we can choose to open the sense door or uh, just, if when we close it, we're not stopping that sense. We're just not paying attention to it. And sound, of course, we're hearing sounds all the time. Some may be generated inside of our head. Or we can hear our stomach growling or you know this we're always picking up sound and we can choose to let it distract us or we can just allow it to be there just notice it as sound And then the, the body contact, so our sense of just contact, so our skin can feel the air. You can feel the air on your skin, whether it's warm or cool, or feels too cool or too warm. And then we can just try to be with that without letting it affect our, uh, letting us become distracted by it. So up to a certain point, we can be comfortable being cool. Then there might be that point where it becomes a real distraction. And our thoughts. The mind doesn't stop when we meditate. But we can choose to see the thoughts. The thoughts arise. They're often connected with how our sense organs are taking in and allowing the world to come through. And I left off taste, so. That's one of our senses. So we can be aware of our thoughts, but then we don't get caught up in our thoughts when we're sitting. We're learning to, we're learning to work with our minds. That's what meditation is. We're working with our minds to help us be, 
find a cure for the disease, to help us be happier, to be uh, have an open heart. to help us come back to our basic nature. So we don't need to get, when we're sitting, we recognize the thoughts are arising, but we don't have to be controlled by those thoughts or let them distract us and pull us into a story. We can just come back to the breath And any one of these senses and the and the, what it lets in through the sense doors when we allow it can become something that we that we prefer that makes us feel better and then we can begin to want it more and more. We search for it in the midst of other things. So we begin craving it. Then when we feel like we've got it and it's ours, that's when we begin clinging. It's at that point when we we want it to be ours and we go after it until it's mine, until it belongs to me, until it's who I am. So just see and feel and touch and taste and hear what's coming through your senses and just allow it to be what it is. And just keep coming back to your breath.
Just keep coming back to your breath. Whenever you become distracted, and this is how we learn. Don't feel that you're a bad meditator or you can't do it. Just see we're studying this body and this mind. All we do is keep coming back to the breath. We begin to see how our mind works. So let's stop for today. It would be so lovely just to be with all of you just sitting together. And I'd like to read my wish. That can be our prayer for today. And then I'll share merit. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those who have lost their way a, a, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with an ocean to, cr to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise only the wise, until the time I attain awakening. May everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of all other beings. So thank you. Have a beautiful day. And stop and pay attention, just a, an aware, beautiful attention without any judgment whenever you can, whenever you think about it. It could even be in the middle of a conversation where you're, uh, you suddenly think, oh, let me just pay attention now. Let me just, let me just see things as an observer. So I'll see you. Today's Tuesday. I'll see you Thursday, and we will continue with uh, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. And so, I hope I hope it's uh, I hope it was pretty clear today. I hope it was. So you can let me know that too. Okay. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day.